Good morning and happy Sunday, church family. I'm so glad to be here again with you guys. Um, anybody have a great week? I had a great week. Anybody have a great week? Anybody have an interesting week? Anybody have a bad week? Right? But where are you at on Sunday? In the house of the Lord. Amen? Good stuff. Um, you know, it's weird. I, I can be really long-winded, and I get worried. I'm like, do I have enough here to carry the time? Chris, not a problem. Just, just do what you do. Um, so the last couple weeks, we've been talking about a series that most of you have been in. So if you're just joining us for the first time, I've been talking about a series called Removing Idols. And we talked about, for me, uh, in the first week, we focused on identifying idols in our lives. I talked about some modern-day idolatry. I told you all about my hero, Arnold Schwarzenegger, DJ, Dwayne The Rock Johnson, the new Arnold, the new and improved Arnold. I missed Hulk Hogan. He was also one of my great heroes from the 80s. Um, I talked about uh, money, consumerism, entertainment, lust, self-image. I talked about a lot of the things that day in and day out we as people living in America, the side effects of being American. These are the things that we deal with on a daily basis. It's, it's embraced around us. It's in our culture. It's almost impossible to avoid falling into modern-day idolatry. It really is. It's literally close to impossible. Um, so we discussed that in week one. In week two, we talked about false gods. Week two was fun. Did everybody enjoy last week? Yeah, it was pretty informative. Um, the first time I'd heard that uh, shared with me by a, a, a pastor, and uh, I looked into all this, and I was like, that is the most interesting thing I've ever found out about the ten plagues of Egypt. And if you're joining us for the first time, the ten plagues of Egypt were not just a random ten plagues that God decided to do and, and, and work upon the land of Egypt. And remember that the first three plagues affected the, both the Egyptians and both the Israelites, and then plagues four through ten affected only the Egyptians. And what we realized was that each of these false gods that were in Egypt were struck down one at a time by each plague that occurred. Each plague represented a god in Egypt to show that it was not a real god, that it had no power, and that God was the only true god. And so uh, I, really liked, I really liked last week. I really liked talking about it. Um, we, discussed, uh, we discussed the design plan, the original design plan that God had to remove idolatry from our lives. Um, and today's the final week, so bittersweet. Oh, I told myself, don't walk past this chair. The camera catches me about right here. If I walk off camera, you at home text in li online and let me know to get back in the center of the screen here. <laughs> so today, we're going to discuss the last, the last series of Removing Idols, and it's going to be called Making God First. Because these things that I talked about that pop up in our lives as idols basically are things that we put in our lives and they take place before God. It could be your job. It could be your, it could be your, your, your bank account. It could be your spouse. It could be anything. It could be anything that what I explained it as setting up an altar in your life. It's like you've set up an altar in your life where you worship and you bow down to this. Um, so we discussed all this, and uh, I'm really excited to close this series up today and talk about making God first in our lives. Because if we make God first in our lives, that makes everything else second. So... Um, I can assume here that everyone in the room has habits, yes? Oh. How about everybody has good habits though, right? Only the best. Mark's got it down. Only the best habits. How about bad habits? Anybody have any bad habits? Anybody have any nasty habits? Anybody have any habits that you hide from everybody else? Your secret sin. Anybody have any of those? 
We're not discussing the secret sins. I'm not even bringing that up to prayer. Um, <laughs> uh, I had a really bad habit. I, uh, I've had a lot of bad habits. One of the worst habits that I had to overcome was cigarettes. I smoked cigarettes for 20 years. Pack and a half a day smoker. I, I woke up and smoked a cigarette. Well, then I wait, then the coffee was brewing. I, had, I couldn't wait for the coffee. I just smoked the cigarette because I needed a cigarette. And then when the coffee was done, I had a second cigarette. Then I jumped in the shower. Then I got out of the shower, had a third cigarette. Then I smoked a cigarette while the car warmed up and smoked a cigarette halfway between wherever I was going. I didn't like the smoke in my car. It was like I smoked five cigarettes before I got where I was going in the morning, right? That was how my day started. And it was this horrible habit that I just had to break and overcome. And praise God, I haven't smoked in over five years. Um, God is good. God's the power behind that. Um, but I want to discuss healthy habits. Healthy habits are what's going to help us learn to put God first in our life. Um, one of the things I wrote in here was, uh, I'm in the habit of waking up at a certain time each day of the week, including Saturday and Sunday. I wake up Monday through Friday at a certain time. No matter what my schedule looks like, I, I work from home sometimes, so I, I work out in the field, and I also have days I work out of my office, but either way, no matter what I'm doing, I wake up at the same time every day, and my routine in the morning looks the exact same. Does everybody else do this, or do you have a really sketchy routine that bounces around, you know? My routine is pretty habitual every single day. I talked about it in week one, so we're definitely not going to go down that road again, okay? We're definitely not going to go down that road again. But I will go over some detail of it again. You know, we talk about, I, I talked about people that wake up and they're like, the first thing I do in the morning is I wake up, I roll out of bed and I get down on my knees and I thank God for what a wonderful day it is. And praise God, if that's you, you need to come to my house and teach me some better habits. Because I wake up, shake off the pre-arthritis, I roll out of bed, I grunt a little bit, I, I reach for my medicine container, because I told you, you know, getting older, I take medicine, I, I take my medicine, I drink water, I stumble around the house, I feed my cat, I get my coffee, I sit down, and then I open the Word of God. So, honestly, God falls in uh, first, second, third, I don't know, fifth, sixth place there every day. That's me being real and transparent with you, you know, because there's a lot of us that do there's probably people in this room. Anybody wake up and the first thing you do is pray. Come on, raise your hands. I want to see the honest hands. Oh, I love my, I love this. This is where you want to be every Sunday. You see this? This is an honest church family right here. I, I was hoping to see one hand though, guys. <laughs> I was really hoping to see one hand. Okay, good. I'm not alone. So uh, I'm also in the habit of getting up at a certain time on Saturday, no matter what's going on. And you know what's funny about my habit of getting up at a certain time on Saturday? When I go, no matter what's going on on Friday, if I go out, we hang out, we're doing something late, I'm like, oh, it's been a great week. Oh, I'm so tired. Oh, I can't wait. Oh, I'm going to sleep in tomorrow because I deserve it. I've earned it. I'm ready to sleep in. I still wake up at the same time every Saturday, even with lack of sleep. Then I tell myself, I'm going to take a nap this weekend because I haven't had one of those in forever. And, 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 and I've earned that nap. I'm going to deserve And I don't take the nap. Never happens. You know? I'll, I'll try to lay down and spread out for 25 minutes. I toss and turn. I'm like, may as well just get back up. This is a waste of 20 minutes. Um, but I'm also in the habit of other things. <laughs> and I'm in the habit of waking up at the same time on Sunday. I have a habitual routine on Sunday. I get up. And why do I have a habitual routine of getting up on Sunday and doing things? Because I plan to be here with you guys. Usually I'm back there, and I love being back there. I love being of service. I love helping. I love being a part of. Um, has anybody heard, who follows baseball? Baseball, 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 baseball. Anybody heard of Josh Hamilton? Okay, played for the, the Rangers, right? Okay, have you ever seen the tattoo on his arm? Did you know that Josh Hamilton had a, a substance abuse problem and an alcohol abuse problem? And, and he's been in a 12-step recovery. He has a tattoo on his arm right here. This is a Major League Baseball player. He has a tattoo on his shoulder. You can look it up online. You know what the tattoo says? God, humility, faith.
family, sobriety, and at the bottom of that list says baseball. Pretty surprising, isn't it? I like that. Now, how much he's practicing it, I don't know. I'm not his keeper. I'm not God. I'm not even technically his friend. I don't know the guy. I don't know. I don't know the way he lives his life. But I'll tell you what, that, that design for living, that's the way it should be. That's the way that every, each and every one of us should be living our life. So um, I'm also, for me, you know, I talked about what I do. I'm in the habit of training certain days a week. I don't miss training. And because I'm able to, uh, because I set my own schedule with work, everything is scheduled around training, including when I go, where I go, in the field, and appointments I make with customers because of training. Oh, and eating. My wife's sitting there going, eating. Eating's a full-time job for me. Eating's a full-time job. I've got a powerlifting meet coming up in October, and I'm trying to keep my weight and get big numbers up. So it's like there's days where I don't feel like eating and I'm not hungry, but I have to eat, and I force feed myself. And eating is a schedule. It's a full-time job for me. I'm always thinking about training, food, church, all, all these things. They all line up. And um, if some of you guys follow me online, I'm on a journey where I'm trying to share everybody and take people on the same journey of, uh, of spiritual and physical health, you know. I don't post, if you read my verses that I post every day, they're not the verses that most people post. Therefore, make God number one in your life. Such and such, one, one. I don't post those. I post some like fire and brimstone stuff. It's like, what is that? Like, I post stuff that I know you had to read again and go, I read that in the Bible? I like to post that kind of stuff. Because I'm taking you on a journey of the things that stand out to me. And I do the same thing with my my, uh, training journey. So uh, I talked about waking up. So a lot of our habits I talked about here are part of a much bigger picture. Can anybody tell me what the bigger picture of a bunch of habits put together would be called? A routine. I wrote a routine. Our small habits all added together put together a routine. Most of us here have a good routine. Whether it's I do school, I go to work, or I'm retired. I think we all wish that we were leaning on the further end of that spectrum, you know, but we're not. Um, so I love that I quote the Google Dictionary because I just, I use the Google Dictionary. You know, I don't think I physically have had a book dictionary in our house in a while. Uh, the Google Dictionary describes a habit as a settled or regular tendency or practice, especially one that is hard to give up. That's a pretty key point. So having a habit in your life is hard to give up. So that sounds like a positive note if you have a healthy habit in your life because if you have a healthy habit in your life it's going to be hard to give it up for me that's weight training I I can't give up weight training I've been dealing with a low back injury since January where I did a little strain on my lower back I I have trained through it I will not stop training and now my back has healed itself through that because I I don't because I, I I remain consistent in my habits and my routines and so uh The Google Dictionary describes a routine as a sequence of actions regularly followed, a fixed program. Described as an adjective, it's performed as part of a regular procedure rather than for a special reason. So today we're going to talk about some of those things that we're going to (laughs) do. I got all that, uh, the task, okay. Today we're going to discuss, yep, got it. So why do we need to make God first in our lives? This is a simple question. There's a scriptural answer to it. Why do we need to make God first in our lives? Well, I'm going to tell you why. Right out of the word of God. Because he commanded it. I put the exclamation point there because I was going to try to. Because he commanded it. (laughs) Boom. Exodus 20, 1 through 6. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. And God spoke all these words. You shall have no other gods before me. wonder what gods he was talking about. How about those ten gods we talked about last week? You shall have no other gods before me. Little g. Those aren't gods. You shall not make for yourself an image. We talked about that, didn't we? we talked about idols. I told you, I gave you the, ex- the example of uh, Indiana Jones, Raiders of the Lost Ark, the little golden head. 
throw me the whip. Give me the idol. The idol was more important, right? He was ready to kill him for the idol. So you shall not make for yourself an image in the form of anything in heaven above or on the earth beneath or in the waters below. You shall not bow down to them or worship them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, punishing the children for the sins of the parent to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me. But, and I like to use the word however, but it's button here. But showing love to a thousand generations of those who love me and keep my commandments. It's not very easy keeping God's commandments, is it? Man, I looked at that list. I was like, I'm not doing too good here. You know, a lot of things on there that uh, I've broken. Anybody here break any of those Ten Commandments? Anybody? Now we're going to really dig deep. You ready for this? How about more than two of those commandments? I won't go all the way up. How about five? There's ten of them. Anybody break five? I'm pretty sure. I've read them all. I know I broke more than five of those commandments. Man. You know what the punishment for breaking those commandments was? Death. But thanks be to God through Jesus Christ, so I don't have to die today. The more I make God first in my life, the less I sin. When God's first in your life, you won't be sin, you won't be without sin, but you'll definitely sin less. That's a goal, right? I'm not Catholic, but I don't want to have to go to confession between to God and confess a whole bunch of garbage every week. And, if, and when I do confess my sins with him, what did Pastor Mark talk about? Therefore, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. He said, this isn't necessarily verbally making an acknowledgement to God. Oh, Lord, this is what I did. Oh, Lord, this is what I did. He said it was being in agreement with what God says sin is. Remember that? Everybody remember that? By saying, if I confess with my mouth, or by saying that if I confess my sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us. That means that I'm acknowledging, God, you are right. I agree with you. This sin that I just did is sin. It is not good for my life. And you are not okay with it. I acknowledge and I agree with that. When we do that, don't we want to make a change? Let's stir up change in our heart. You know, I'm all about change. Who likes change? I'm crazy. I like change. I like to change things up on people all the time. I do it for fun, ask my wife. Or you look real comfortable there. I'm about to change that. <laughs> Sorry, some are sicker than others. <laughs> you know, uh, keeping God's commandments. There was a whole lot of commandments in the, in the Old Testament. Anybody read the whole entire book of the law? Today I enjoy the book of the law because I look at it and I realize, man, they had a lot of rules to follow. And we don't have to follow, like, practically any of those rules today. We don't live under that law anymore. We do not live under that law anymore. But when I, but the first time I had a, I had a, a, a there was a pastor at our church for a short time, and the church I got saved in, I want to say, I want to say he was like a third pastor. The founding pastor had been there for a long time. He finally retired. And then uh, there was a, another pastor who came in, and then he left. And we had an intern for a short period of time. This man was very extremely pessimistic. And he would say things like, he would say, do you say good morning, God, or good God, it's morning. And, 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 and he would say he struggled with that a lot, you know, and uh, I love the guy. You know, I learned a lot from that man. I learned something from every single person that I come across in my life. You know what I learned from you? I either want what you have mentally, spiritually, emotionally, or I don't want what you have mentally, spiritually, emotionally, and you just stay right over there. Okay? I, I, being honest, right? So this man, uh, he said, reading Leviticus is like drinking sand from a broken glass. Made me not want to read it, right? I mean, I'm like, who wants to read something that sounds that boring? And I read it, 
And I thought, man, that was boring. But now I've read it multiple times. And it's exciting to go through it. It's exciting to really take a look at the way the children of Israel lived in, in the desert. It's amazing to take a look at all the things that took place. All the habits and the routines and the program and the things that were implemented around them day in and day out to keep them to sin less. So today we're going to talk about six things. There's probably more. Don't worry. I'll recycle this in a few years. We'll add more points. Spread it out over six weeks instead of three. You'll all forget I talked about it because that's what we do when we're in church, right? That's the funniest thing. I'll hear a message and all of a sudden they'll be so far along. I'll be like, oh, yeah, I remember that one. They said that one a really long time ago. But it's all fresh again because you left the church and by the time you got in your car halfway home, you forgot everything you heard in church that morning. Honesty. Except for last Sunday. If you challenge the mind, you take it home. So let's talk about some of these habits I'm talking about. The first one I put was daily prayer. What does prayer look like in your life? Let's dig deep. What does prayer look like in your life? Not his life, not her life. Not their lives, not the lives of those who were in, I mean, we want to know what prayer looked like in all those people's lives. But I'm challenging you, what does prayer look like in your life? I have had seasons. Coming to church on Sunday. Giving. Involved. Ministry. Loving people, friendly, never singing before like I did here, but doing these things, that's not my gift. I love that's not my gift. And realize that while I was doing all those things, sometimes I would go days without speaking to God. Anybody ever go through that? We do, right? And you and it's like and it's like your heart's like, oh man, I have not talked to God in days, and I'm at church. I even went to church in between. We were in church. They were praying. I wasn't even talking to God. I was just a part of the prayer. What did your prayer life look like with God? Challenge you with that. Challenge you. Challenge yourself with that. Philippians 4, 6 says, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation. It does not say most. It does not say some. It does not say when things are good. It does not say when things are bad. It does not say when you're sick. It does not say when you're well. It does not say when you won the lottery. It says in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present, and requests, present your requests to God. In every situation, good or bad, are we doing that in our lives? Are we doing that in our lives? John, 1 John 5, 14 through 15. This is the confidence we have in approaching God, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, Anybody come up here and ask anything today? I was weeping, man. I'm praying with people. I just weep. My heart just like. Whatever we ask, we know that we have what we know that we have what we've asked of him. We know that we have what we've asked of him. It probably ki killed the camera out, right? Okay, good. Don't touch. No, no, don't do. So let's read that again. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we asked of him. Remember I talked about that recently? I said prayer. God answers prayer three different ways. 
yes, no, and later, and you don't hear no and later, right? Can't hear no and later. I only hear yes, God, and when it's no or later, I get real sketchy about who you are (laughs) and if you're really there and what's going on. You know I need this. Yeah, you sure do, son. Eight years from now. That's when you need that. You know how I know this to be true? Because God has answered prayers in my life years later. Because if God had done for me what he's done for me today, I wouldn't have been able to handle it when I asked for it. That is the truth. That's what my life looks like today. That's what my life looks like today. Colossians 4.2 says, devote yourselves to prayer. Devote yourselves to prayer. Be watchful and thankful. Are you devoting yourself to prayer? Are you watchful and are you thankful? I know I struggle with it all the time. I'm up here talking to you about it. You know why I'm talking to you about it? Because I struggle with it. If I didn't struggle with it, I wouldn't be human. I would be pretending that I walk on water and even Peter fell in the water. Okay? You got to be transparent. You got to be honest with yourself. You want to grow in your you want to grow as a church? You want to grow as a believer? You want to grow in fellowship? We've got to be honest with each other. We got to let people really know what's going on with us. How many of you grew up in a Baptist church as a kid? I grew up in a Baptist church. Boy, you look good. You did not bring your mess to church. You were dressed sharp. You shut up. You smile and make it look like everything in our life is perfect. And if you do anything outside of that, I will make you suffer when we leave here today. <laughs> yes? Okay, that was, that was what it was like. So uh, let's go with the second one. We talked about prayer. How about this one, daily Bible reading? Are you reading your Bible? I'm going to tell you why I put daily prayer and daily Bible right after each other. I'm going to repeat the question. Are you reading your Bible? Are you digging into the Word of God? Is this what you're making as a part of your daily routine, your daily habit? Are you looking to His Word for the answers? Because I'm going to tell you what. I heard somebody say this one time, and I thought, that's good. You know, I said I like to take things from people and let go of things from people I've let go of. This was something I took from somebody. I pray up. When I open God's word, it's living. I'm now looking God face to face, and this is how he speaks back and answers me. Oh, didn't bet you didn't hear that one before. Maybe you have. Are you reading your Bible? Are you doing it daily? By opening your word daily, make it a habit. Spend five minutes. I don't care if you do it when you're in the bathroom. That's your business. You all have smartphones. Your kids have smartphones. Everybody has a smartphone now. Maybe there's a few out there who don't have a phone. One person. But that's okay because Dale's sitting right next to her with a phone. And she's in her Bible every day. Are you spending some time in the Word of God every day? I challenge you with this. Read one chapter a day. If you can't read three, if you can't read five, read one chapter a day. And when you get to Psalm 119, you call me and say, you tricked me. (laughs) Yeah, okay. There's something that goes in line with that. My wife challenges me with this all the time. I'm going to lift her up. She challenges me with it all the time. You ever have days where things just come out of your mouth and you're just like, where did that come from? Who are you? You know what my wife says to me? Have you praised Jesus today? Get out of my face. (laughs) Have you praised Jesus today? Because she's not asking me because she's asking me. She's asking me because my actions make it very apparent that I have not praised Jesus today. It's the truth. Praising Jesus is a lot different than just reading your Bible. Praising Jesus is a lot different than praying. Praising Jesus is telling him how wonderful he is, singing songs to him, lifting him up. It's more than just those two smaller versions of the habit. It's a much bigger habit. Not just praying like, okay, God, I'm ready to do the day. Let's do this. 
let's get out there. Hey, let's heal the sick. Hey, uh, Lord, I'm looking at this. No. God, you're so good. I am grateful for you. I am grateful for what you're doing in my life. I'm grateful for what you're doing in our church. I'm grateful for what you're doing here. This area over here is a little rough, but I lift you up. I know you're God, and you sing some praises in your bathroom. My wife sings worship music more than anybody I know. When I walk into the, the house, anywhere room my wife is in, worship music's playing, and she tells me, go away. She's listening to worship music. I'm serious. When my wife does her makeup, worship music's going on in the bathroom, and you are not allowed to go in there and talk to her if your name is Chris. Okay? Amen. Are you reading your Bible daily? Are you praying daily? Daily. Are you praising daily? Ask yourself this question. What would my life look like if I actually did those three things daily and multiple times throughout the day? The more you do these things, the less you sin. The more joy and peace that will be in your heart. The more your light will shine in the lives of those around you everywhere you go, even in the line at Rayleigh's. People will be like, you're just intoxicating to be around. I have those days. I have that energy. But sometimes it can be the opposite. So let's look at some of these verses in daily Bible reading. 2 Timothy 3, 16 through 17. All, I love the word all. All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the servant of God, that's you, just want to make sure, may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Not most good works, not some good works, for every good work. Who wants to be equipped for every good work? Okay. Psalm 119, verse 105. Yes, there's even more. I told you I'd trick you with that one. Your word is a lamp for my feet. Do you know what his word is? We're reading it right now. Your word is a lamp. For my feet, a light on my path. A light on my path. So if I'm not reading your word, the path I'm taking could be dark. Sometimes you got to read between the lines in what you read. Sometimes you have to challenge yourself of what you just read and what it would look like in opposite of what you just read. How many times are you doing that when you're reading the word of God? If you're reading it daily, you'll probably start doing it more often. Matthew 7, 24. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. Y'all know who the rock is? It's not Dwayne Johnson. It's not Dwayne Johnson. And his name's not Balboa. His name's Jesus Christ, Jesus of Nazarene. Don't forget it. We represent him in this house. Amen? We want to represent him in every area of our life. How do we do that, Chris? Well, we'll just work through some of these new six habits that you're writing down. Does everybody here have a bulletin? Raise your hand if you don't have a bulletin. Anybody didn't get, grab a bulletin this morning? You should be taking notes. If you, if you don't have a bulletin, Jazz will go grab you one. Let's look at the next one here. Number three is daily worship. That's in line with daily praise. It's in line with daily praise. What does worship look like? Daily worship looks like a mixture of all this stuff that we're talking about. Praying, Bible reading, singing, praising. This is all worship. This is all forms of worship. Showing up here on Sunday morning is a form of worship, not just when the band plays music and sings. You're aware of this, right? You're worshiping God when you make a decision in your home on Sunday morning to wake up and go to the house of the Lord. 
This building is not the church. We are the church. When you make a decision to be a part of the church, that is an act of worship. Everything that you do that is going to honor God is an act of worship. When you cry out to God about something that you're not happy about in your life and you're praying for him to step in and do something about it, can I tell you something? That is an act of worship. Anytime that you look up to God and put God first, that is an act of worship. Skip sang that song today. Love that song. I had him come up here and do it a couple weeks ago. Exodus 23 and 25, worship the Lord your God and his blessing will be on your food and water. I will take away sickness from among you. Worship sounds pretty powerful. Sounds like something you should be doing. John 4, 23 and 24, God is spirit and his worshipers must worship in the spirit and in truth. Yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in the spirit and in truth. For they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. Are you honest with God? You tell God what's really going on? He knows. He knows. I'm going to share something different with you. Thank you, Mark. I mentioned to you guys that I've been 12-step recovery from years ago. There's a step in 12-step that says, admitted to God. To ourselves and to another human being, the exact nature of our wrongs. Because you had just written an inventory of all the good and the bad in your life. Harm, hurts, habits, hang-ups, resentments, all this stuff. Okay, you have it all written out. I sat in my living room the night before I was going to go and share all this stuff with somebody else. And I said, you know, God, I know that you know about all this stuff. You were in the room when most of it happened. But you and I have never discussed it. And today's the day. And I read my inventory right there in my living room like a crazy person. Guess what? Never drank since. Guess it worked. Okay? He gets the glory. Acts 16.25, about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns. Have you praised Jesus today? And the other prisoners were listening to them. In jail, locked up, probably going to be put to death, you know. It's usually what happens when you were practicing and preaching Christianity in that time. Praying and singing hymns to God. I like that. So in every situation, here's Paul setting an example for us of a habit and a routine. In the good, the bad, and the ugly, he's sitting in jail, and he's praying. That was number one. And he's singing. It's a form of worship. That was number three. Okay? Let's look at number four. Regular gathering and fellowship. This is regular gathering and fellowship. The Bapticue, which is going to be a lot of fun. The Bapticue is regular gathering and fellowship. Gathering and fellowship takes place more places than just here on Sundays at 10 a.m. I talked about that in the last couple weeks. Where are you hanging out? Where are you hanging out? Are you gathering and fellowshipping regularly with believers? I also want you to gather in fellowship with people who are not believers. Jesus did that. Jesus went and hung out with the sinners, not the saints. But it was an even flow for him. He went and hung out places with people who needed healing, who were sick. He hung out with those people who did not make God first in their life. But when he was not hanging out with them, do you know who he was hanging out with? His 12 disciples, three of which he was really close to. And you want to know what I would venture to guess they were most likely discussing during those times? Things about how to make God first in their life. 
praying, the mission. Here's our next plan. He was regularly gathering and fellowshipping with believers. Are you regularly gathering and fellowshipping with believers? Because I know you all have to go to work. And I know that not everybody at your job is a believer. You probably have people who either don't believe in anything or they believe in something other than you. And for some people that can be challenging. But if you're doing these daily things, your light is going to be infectious. Your light is going to be shining. And everybody that you come across, whether they believe the same thing as you or not, is going to want to know what it is about you. Do you have that? Is that turned on? Is that going on in your life right now? Are you doing these small habits, making God first in your life, so that this is who you are at all times? Regular gathering and fellowship. Well, Chris, where does it say that in the Bible? Good question. Hebrews 10, 24 and 25. 10, 24 through 25. And let us consider. So let's think about this. How can we spur one another on toward love and good deeds? Not giving up meeting together, as some, of, some are in the habit of doing. But encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. Man, it feels good to be in a room full of people where we're encouraging each other and building each other up. This is what I come. I look forward to it on Sunday. I thrive in this atmosphere. I also thrive outside of it because I try to practice these things in my daily life. And I bring this energy that you see up here. I take it everywhere I go. Everywhere I go. I don't know how to turn it off. Chris, does it say it anywhere else in the Bible? Good question. Acts 2, 46 through 47. Every day. Wow, you mean you met more than just on Sunday? Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. Praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily. Are you communicating with somebody in this church daily? Amen. Thank you, Mark. Okay, that's not going to count because I can do the same thing. <laughs> We're not giving you the spouse card. Or they live in my house. It's my brother, my sister, my mother, my children. Are you regularly connecting with somebody from your local church, your local body, daily? Because here's what happens if you do. Let's read it again. This is what will happen here in this church. If we do this habit, let me read it to you again. Every day they continue to meet together in the temple courts or through a phone call or at their friend's house. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Do you want to see this church grow? God's going to blow the seams off this place. You know why? Because I'm speaking life into it. I believe it's going to happen. Amen. Amen? Amen? Okay. Make sure we're all on the same page here. Are you talking with somebody in the church outside regularly every day? Because if we do it every day, that's what God's going to do. Because it's going to become contagious. A lot of people meet me outside of church, and they all want to know, what is it about that guy? Well, I'm going to send them this link on this week so they can find out what it is about that guy. And what he does. And why his life looks so different than all the other people they know. Let's look at uh, one more verse to uh, close it in right there. Matthew 18, 20. For where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am with them. So what happens when we gather and we regularly fellowship and gather? Does that say that if we hung out all week together... That God would always be in our midst? It certainly does, my friend. So how often are you regularly fellowshipping with the people in the church? Not the building. The body of believers. We're our, we are the small body of believers. Our entire local area here is the local area of believers. The regional level would be all the churches pretty much in California. All believers. All the way to the universal church. Everybody who believes in Jesus walking on this planet, no matter what country they live in. Are you fellowshipping with believers? Dun, dun, dun. Number five, he's going to go there. Yes, I am. Are you giving regularly? 
Are you giving regularly? What does that mean, Chris? It means a lot more than just giving. Giving is a heart action. Don't we just hold on to what we have? Don't as people we just want to hold on to what's ours? This is mine. I earned this. I want a candy bar. Go get a job, you bum. This is mine. Get that sign out of my face asking me for money. This is mine. Does that sound like a heart of giving? That's an ugly heart. You want to know why I know that's an ugly heart? Because I've had that heart. I've looked at people and said, I'm not giving that guy nothing. But I've also had moments where I walked into, this is a funny one. About a month ago, I went into Walmart over here. Don't ask me why. I I just don't do this. I'm checking out a Walmart, and I'm like, man, that uh, Caramello bar right there with the caramel in the center and the four choppy pieces. That looks good. Looks so good, I'm going to get two. I bought two, got in the car, struggling to open the first one, drove over by the new Dollar Tree that got built up. My boy Hiromi right there, go see him at Dollar Tree. He's a store manager. Go say hello. Fellowship daily. Tell him how much Jesus loves him. Remind him. Boom. She was just there. So, so, I drive over there by the Dollar Tree, I turn that corner, and there's that guy, the people that, you know, you know what I'm talking about in the parking lot, you live here in Yuba City, they're in the Walmart parking lot, they get you at that little stop sign. There's the guy with his sign. And I rolled right up, and I looked at him, and my heart said, Chris, this is why God had you buy two candy bars, because you're going to give him one. (laughs) Window came down, I said, you hungry, dude? He was like, yeah, and I was like, here you go. I go, there you go, God, I get it. How much does God do that in your life? Happens all the time. I saw it. Because I wanted to know why I decided to just sporadically buy those two candy bars. I thought it was because it was was mine. I want those candy bars. I was craving them. God used my desire to teach me to give to somebody outside of myself. But giving's a lot more than just giving somebody a candy bar. Okay? This is a building. This is where we meet regularly. This is our church building. This is where our family fellowships. Are you giving regularly? Something? I understand if your bills are $800 a month for your rent, where you rent a room, and you can barely afford anything. If 12 extra dollars is what you had when you first sat and you looked down at all of your money and you said, I'm going to have 12 extra dollars that I can spend somewhere, give it first. The $12. Why? Because God loves a cheerful giver who gives with his heart. Give with your heart. Obviously, I know. Obviously, I know that 10% in the world we live in is going to crush somebody if they make no money. If they work a, a part-time job and they're struggling, they don't even have a second job, they'd be like, you, ten, did you, did you give your tithe this morning? Give with your heart. Do you know what happens when you start giving with your heart? You give more, sometimes a tithe, sometimes above and beyond, but it starts in the heart. Are you giving regularly? Are you giving regularly? Let's look at it here. 2 Corinthians 9, 7 through 8, each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion. For God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. What does that mean, Chris? Here's what it means. It means God set a standard, a number to shoot off of a few thousand years ago. And if you can't make that number and you give regularly what you can give, God will bless you to give that number and then some later. Are you giving regularly? Are you giving regularly? Giving's an act of worship. First Chronicles 29, 14. But who am I? Who are my people? That we should be able to give as generously as this. 
Everything comes from you, and we have given you only what comes from your hand. Everything you have comes from God. I had a pastor used to say, and it was, it was like, you would leave the building fire and brimstone, scared to death that you, weren't gonna, you were just going to like lose your job, lose your home, lose everything. He'd say, it's better to live on 90% of your income blessed than 100% cursed. I was like, dude. And then I would have to go home and be like, my God sent my Savior to die on the cross for me so I didn't have to live under the law. And my God wants to bless me, not curse me. So I couldn't receive that the way it was said to me. But I have learned that through regular giving, God will bless you abundantly so that you can give above and beyond what his standards were. Amen? This is the truth. If you start giving regularly, God will bless you abundantly, above and beyond what you need and what you require, and you will be able to give more than what God required. How would you like to do that? Here, God, I beat you in giving this time. And I gave it because I want to, because I love to, because it makes me happy, because I know that it's going for a greater purpose so that this world can reach every single individual who does not know Jesus Christ. Because if we don't give it this church, the building closes. And then we float around and go find somewhere else to be. We don't want that to happen here. We want this church to grow. We want this building to grow. We want to burst at the seams. We want to bring in more people. We want to start bringing your friends, bringing people you don't know, bringing people who don't know Jesus. Because our goal is to bring people into a growing and loving relationship with Jesus Christ. Amen? That's the Great Commission. Jesus could have said hundreds of things of what he wanted you to do. But he said he wanted you to go out and tell everyone about him. That is our mission. That's the mission of this building. And it cannot perform this mission if you do not give regularly. Probably a lot of people won't show up next week. That guy said I need to start giving. Screw him. <laughs> is it okay to say that? Thank you. Just did. It's true. You know why I say that? Because I was once sitting in the pew, listening to a pastor say that, and I thought that exact statement. Tell me. But I kept going to church, and I kept giving what I was able to give. And God has blessed me abundantly and beyond. Okay? Proverbs 3, 9. Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruit of all your crops. You know what that means? Give first. I get paid Friday. This is what I get paid. I get paid every Friday. Okay. I just got my money. This is God's. Give it. Set it aside. First fruits. Not, this is what I've got to do. Pay, 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 pay. Do this, do that, do this. Okay, I got this amount of money left. What am I going to give God? Do not give that way. You know what happens when you give that way? You don't want to give it. Because then you're like, this is all I have, God. I don't want to really give up this. This is mine. It's mine. If you give first, you will not have that attitude. Giving first is a cheerful giver because a cheerful giver is ready to give. That's why they give first. Amen? Proverbs 11.25, a generous person will prosper. I just talked about that, didn't I? A generous person will prosper. Whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. Let's refresh this church. Refresh ourselves. Invite new people. Pack out this house. You know how happy Pastor Mark will be if he comes back next week and we have one new person? Who's going to bring somebody new next week? I want to see a show of hands of somebody that's going to invite someone new to church next week. Bam. We're going to invite them. We get, that's the heart. I got hands up. All right, I challenge you. Everybody is going to, I'm challenging everybody with your hand up. This week you are going to invite someone to come and join you here at church. Amen? Okay, let's do this. 
Let's do this. Getting ready to close it up. Number six, sharing the good news. Ah, another good habit, sharing the good news. Colossians 3.16, let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. Man, I heard praise, worship, prayer, petition, Bible reading. Did you hear it? It was all summed up into one, everything we talked about today. Let the message of Christ, reading your Bible daily, dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your heart. Did you praise Jesus today? If you do this, man, you're covering all your bases. And add giving. It wasn't in there, sorry. Proverbs 22.6. Start, start children off on the way they should go, and even when they are old, they will not turn from it. I've made sure that my children always hear the word of God. As best as I could. We're at church. We're at church. We're at church. What my ch children know. Ch Sunday, what is Sunday? What happens on Sunday? We go to church. Did it work, Chris? My son's sitting right there. He's not here every Sunday, but he's here today. You know why? Because the word's in his heart. The seed is planted. I started off my children on the right way to go, and they'll always end up where they need to be later. I was a prodigal child. I was a, the poster child for prodigal son. Seriously. Matthew 28, 19 through 20, therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. These are the things that you could be practicing as a daily habit in your lives. And if you do this, everything in your life is going to look differently. Everything in your life is going to change. Yeah, we have struggles. We have ups. We have downs. We have good days. We have bad days. We have indifferent days. But we never stop daily prayer. And you don't stop daily Bible reading. And you don't stop doing worship daily. Those four. And you don't stop gathering and fellowshipping. And you don't stop giving, even when it gets tough. What, what would that mean, Chris? That means you lose your job, you went on unemployment, they give you $4.50 a week, give God $1. Give him something. You do not stop giving. Give to someone in need. You give. You don't stop giving regularly. And you go out and you share the gospel. Man, these are six habits that sum up the life of what a believer that's just like, I am focused on Jesus I love you, Lord. I want my life to just pour out around me and just speak Jesus. I want people to look at me and think, that guy's like a Jesus freak. I know they do already, but you know what I mean? That's what you're looking for. And when you do that, you sin less. You start to have purpose. You see purpose in your life. You see moments where God's got you where you just bought two candy bars and you don't know why and there's that homeless per person asking for money and you give him something to eat because at the end of the day no matter what he was going to do with the money he's hungry he's hungry eating for me is a full time job I know he's hungry <laughs> the worship band is going to play for a moment the altar is open. If you want to come up here and kneel at the altar or stand at the altar and you want to pray and you want to pray to God and say, Lord, I want to rededicate my life to you. I want to start praying daily. I want to start reading my Bible daily. I make a decision to follow you. I make a decision to change these areas of my life where I begin to do them regularly. 
If you want to have that conversation with God, come on up here to the altar. Publicly, come up to the altar. Or stand up in your seat. Give God praise. Cry out to Him right now. The worship band's going to play. Can we dim the lights a little, Kel? Maybe. Okay. Worship dim. This is a time for you to spend some time with you and God. That got real dim. Click it one more time. There you go. That's fine. Leave it there. We won't try that again. The altar is open. I, I challenge you to sit wherever you wherever you feel comfortable and pray right now. Rededicate. Make a decision that you're going to do these things. If you don't know Jesus, you say, man, that guy up there was talking some crazy stuff today. And I, 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 I want to know what he's talking about. Well, I'm talking about Jesus. If you don't know him, I'm going to give you the opportunity to know him today. It's a simple prayer. Let's bow our heads. Father God, I thank you for this church. I thank you for the fellowship. I thank you for your word. I thank you for your people. I thank you for your servants. I thank you for the music. I thank you for everything you do. Lord, be with me as I make an invitation for those in the room to repeat this prayer so that they can come to know you. Or they can rededicate their life to you and say, I'm not living the way that Chris talked about today. I would like to start living the way that Chris talked about today. So Lord, be with me as we guide them in this prayer. Lord, I'm a sinner. I don't know you very well. I don't know if I know you, but I'd like to know you. I admit that I'm a sinner. I commit my life to you. I believe that God sent you to this earth and that you died a horrible death on a cross so that you could set me free from my sins. I believe that today, Lord, and I make you savior of my life. I pray that you give me the ability to pray daily. I pray that you give me the ability to read my Bible daily. I pray that you give me the ability to gather, to fellowship, to worship, to give, to share the gospel message that I'm accepting right now. If you prayed that prayer with me, welcome. <laughs> welcome. You're saved. The Bible says that if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us. The Bible says that if we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in our heart that God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. It's very simple. It's a very simple thing. I know that some of us live a life where we, we, we feel that we've prayed that prayer, but we may not be living it out. I hope that you prayed that prayer again and that you're going to truly rededicate your life. I'll let the worship band play. You can continue in prayer. The altar is open. If you feel like coming up, you can come up, kneel at the altar, pray. This is your time.
it's time to create a new altar in your life. We've talked about removing idols, and idols are worshiped at altars. It's time to create a new altar in your life. Make God first in your life. Make an altar for Him. Give Him your heart. That's how much He loves us. Make an altar in your life right now. God, you're first. That's it. I'm tired of struggling. I'm tired of making these other things first in my life. It's not working out for me very well. I'm not exactly happy with my situation. Make an altar in your life today. Make God first. New altars. Be like the kings. Be like Joash. Joash did what was right in the eyes of the Lord and he broke down the high places and the altars that were built up in Jerusalem. Be like Joash today. It's time to break down the altars in your life, the idols, the things you have in your place that are keeping you separated from God. Pray that prayer today. It's your day. It's your day. church. I love this building. I love what God's doing here. I see what God's doing here. I believe in what God's doing here. I believe in you. You're not here today by mistake. You're not here today by mistake. There are no mistakes in God's plan. God is the only one who can take a wrong and make it right you're not here by mistake. You didn't get to listen to me share all this today to fall on deaf ears. That's not who God is. That's not how he works. I love you all. I'm going to close us out. Father, I just thank you for your message today, Lord. You are so amazing. I thank you for everyone who came here today. I thank you for those who are online. I thank you for those who rededicated their life to you. I thank you for those who were able to give. I thank you for those who were not. I thank you for everybody in all circumstances. I thank you for everything. I thank you for our music. I thank you for our worship. I thank you for our senior pastor, Mark and Jill, who are not here today. I thank you for them. I thank you for everything. I thank you in advance. I thank you for this week. I thank you for your word. It gives me the opportunity. I thank you for the opportunity to pray. I thank you for the opportunity to worship. I thank you for this time. I thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, you're just.